This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com on mypodcasthouse.com. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you so much for joining us. Big show coming your way. We're going to have a chat to an author of some, uh, well, what we hope will be very popular children's books about some fantastic supercar legends. And that'll be Grant Rowley. will be talking to us very shortly about those books and how you're able to get your hands on some of those. Mark Walker, Richard Crowell as well to join me to have a chat about the week in sport and what a week it is. It has been and what a week it will be, possibly, depending on how everything happens with COVID. First of all, let's get straight into the news. And we'll kick it off with Formula One news tonight. And of course, we had the... Uh, Grand Prix happening up in Austria, the Styrian Grand Prix. And to tell us more about what happened there, we say g'day to Dale Rogers. Hey, Dale. G'day, Tony. What a difference a week makes. The French Grand Prix Go fans are scintillating on track strategic battle between Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton, with their teammates playing crucial roles just two weeks ago. But a week later, in the first of two Grand Prix in Austria, Red Bull Honda simply belted the Mercedes Formula One team. Max Verstappen was in an overtly relaxed mood at his home Grand Prix and a three-tenths of a second domination of qualifying sent early notes to the pit lane that he would be very, very hard to beat. So indeed, it was a very straightforward weekend for Verstappen. Development of the 2021 F1 cars may be a partial answer. Red Bull's Christian Horner confirmed that development was continuing on the RB16B, while his opposite Toto Wolff at Mercedes suggested that the, v, that the W12 was at its peak and energy was being put to the new spec 2022 car. Interesting to note, however, was soon to be Chief Technical Officer James Allison, who told the F1 Nation podcast that, quote, we have a reasonable number of things that are going to make our car faster in the coming races. Let's hope they prove sufficient. Anyway, whoever you believe does not change the facts. Red Bull is charging, and it wants to sink the horns as far as it can into the Mercedes team. A new shark tooth diffuser, a new floor, a new rear wing, plus a driver at the peak of his form are all factors swinging the pendulum to a Red Bull Driver and Constructors Championship in 2021. Lando Norris again delivered a brilliant qualifying performance to start in P4, but said after the race, quote, a bit of fun comes from knowing that I'm in a worse car and I'm ahead of them. It's also cool realising how much quicker they are today proves how much better their car is. But on a day like yesterday, I outqualified one of them. We really do like Lando here at the race talk. He's a cool guy. Teammate Daniel Ricciardo again had a qualifying shocker after a second place in P2 on Friday, but raced very well in the opening laps to P8 before engine power woes set in, dropping him back to 15th, a place he could barely recover from on the short Austrian layout. Charles Leclerc had a wild ride to 7th, having made contact with Pierre Gasly's Alpha Tauri, which brought the latter's race to an end before it even barely started. Leclerc was in the pits for a new nose at the end of the lap uh, one and had to endure a long, long stint on the Pirelli white strip hard tyres, but still managed to produce some brilliant overtakes once he had switched to the mediums. Among those he passed were the final point scorers of Fernando Alonso, who totally outshined his Alpine teammate Esteban Ocon for the third straight weekend, and Yuki Tsunoda. But Red Bull boss Christian Horner had the final say in Max's victory lap. He said, absolutely clinical, Max. Keep turning that screw. We're back at the Red Bull ring this weekend, but for now, it's back to you in the studio, Tony. Thanks, Dale. To other Formula One news now, and Red Bull has been warned over Max Verstappen's victory burnout at the finish of the Styrian Grand Prix. Race director Michael Massey said after the race, he spoke to the team immediately, telling them similar celebrations would not be tolerated going ahead. Drivers are required to abide by strict rules when celebrating wins directly after a race with restrictions including making sure the celebration does not delay the podium ceremony and ensuring the celebration does not endanger others in the process. Please, Michael, come on. Further afield now, F1 has confirmed the Russian GP will move away from its current home in Sochi to a new track of uh, north of St. Petersburg from the year 2023. The new circuit, the Autodrom Igora Drive obtained Grade 1 certification last year and has since held DTM Rallycross and National Championship races. The Russian GP has been held at the resort city of Sochi since its inception in 2014. F1 said more details will be provided as the races uh, get closer in the next coming months. The Turkish GP has been re-added to the 2021 
Formula One season calendar after the cancellation of the Singapore GP earlier this year, if one has confirmed. Istanbul Park was originally added in place of the Canadian GP to take place in June 13, but was subsequently postponed after the UK government added it to a red list of nations for coronavirus restrictions. But organisers have confirmed with the cancellation of Singapore originally scheduled for 3 October, the uh, event now will move to Turkey instead forming a triple header with the Russian and Japanese Grand Prix. While Turkey remains on the British government's red list, it's understood uh, not to be an issue because teams will travel onto Japan before returning to the UK outside of the 10-day quarantine window that has been mandated. And British GP organisers have announced this year's race will take place with a full fan contingent as restrictions ease across the nation. The track, which can hold up to 140,000 spectators, will be the scene of the largest sporting event in the UK since the start of the COVID pandemic. All attending will need to present a negative COVID test or be fully vaccinated. Moving to MotoGP news now, and Maverick Vinales will depart from Yamaha at the end of the season, according to the team, earlier than he had originally planned. The departure comes amid comments from Vinales that racing in MotoGP was becoming a nightmare. Vinala struggled in last weekend's German Grand Prix, finishing last in the field, but seemed to have picked up again this week, finishing second behind teammate Fabio Quadrero. There is speculation as to where the rider will go after leaving the team, with Aprilla openly stating that they would be open to the idea of taking the rider in 2022. MotoGP's Japanese GP, originally scheduled for October 3rd, has been cancelled due to the COVID pandemic, according to organisers. Very weird, we can hold an Olympics over there, but we can't hold a MotoGP. Strange. Uh, the replacement will be the USGP at the Circuit of Americas, which had already been postponed earlier in the year. MotoGP's usual plans for races in the Pacific this year have been decimated due to the COVID pandemic, with races in Australia, Indonesia and Thailand all under threat of cancellation, according to reports. And finally, to Supercars News, and a deal for the takeover of Queensland Raceway and Lakeside Park has reportedly fallen through, according to owner John Tetley. The buy-off was originally scheduled to take place next week, but seems to have been replaced by new upgrades announced by Tetley instead. That's all the news. Let's get straight into the show. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, time to catch up with Richard Crowell, as we do always off the top of the show. Hello, Crowley. Tony Shebeki, how on earth are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. Uh, better than the rest of the country, who's <laughs> locked out at the moment. Finally, yeah. Victoria gets a bit of a break. Yeah, in South Australia, just just Switzerland here, all nice and neutral in the middle. I like it. It's how, uh, how things should be. Yeah, interesting times. We'll delve into that a bit later on in the show. But uh, I think we should get stuck in straight away because I've been looking forward to getting our first guest on uh, for some time. And actually there's been threats of a bit of a podcast crossover that we haven't quite gotten to yet, but this is sort right. of phase one of that. Well, we had phase one the other, when we had his mate on Caruso. We, yeah. No, no, no. We're talking about Tony D'Alberto here. Oh, D'Alberto. Sorry, not really Caruso. Yeah, yes. yeah, parked up. Wrong, wrong, parked parked up. wrong podcast. Correct. Come on. Too many um, pods. Yeah, exactly. So let, let's get straight into this, Shebeki. Let's do that. Uh, have you ever actually considered writing a children's book? I have. I'm not talented enough to do it. Well, this bloke is. He's done some uh, some kids' books on some of the great Australian races of uh, of our time, and he's here to tell us all about them. Grant Riley joins us today. Grant, Tony, and Richard, thanks for having me. Uh, thank you for coming on board, mate. It's finally become a realization. The last couple of months have sort of been the expectation of these books being printed and coming out. You've had the orders come through and all that sort of stuff, and finally we're here. Yeah, yeah, it felt like it took, it was a, a lifetime, you know, I think it was about this time last year that I started to write them, even when I wrote them, I didn't even know if it was actually even possible, you know, writing the words was one thing, but actually uh, the illustrations is what makes up 90% of a children's book and took me a little while to find the right artist to do it and uh, yeah, admittedly find the right artist who could do it at the right price as well. Um, and, uh, look, it, it, I don't know, it was, it was meant to be. And I found, uh, an amazing little group who, um, who put them together and, and brought my, uh, little creative ideas to life. And, um, yeah, really cool to have five of these uh, books out now in people's hot little hands. Uh, only just today people have been receiving them and they've been you know, friends and family have been sending me photos. Social media is lit up with people 
uh, tagging me and uh, creating uh, hash little heroes uh, hashtags as well. So uh, it's it's been cool to see. So the books are called Little Heroes, and there's five of them now and i imagine there's the possibility for more to come in the future uh they're five fantastic talents and legends of the sport jim richards john bow dick johnson molly taylor and of course peter brock uh and i only actually just noticed that you quite brilliantly made peter brock number five in the series which is uh, <laughs> appropriate the cover yeah nice, nicely done um, what was the a product of lockdown last year, of course, but what spurred you on? What was the thing that went, oh, do you know what? I'm going to write some kid books. Yeah, so I've got a uh, two little girls. Uh, one's a bit older and she does not care about uh, race cars in any way, but there's a fair chance with my little three-year-old, actually about to turn four at the end of this week, um, that I could actually convince her that race cars are cool. Uh, she talks about race cars all the time and um, whatever. Actually, just very quickly, mm. uh, my wife, dear, had said to um, my little Georgia, little George, um, uh, recently, she said, oh, dad's at, the, where's dad? He's at the race circuit. And she said, he's not at the race circuit. He's at the racetrack. So anyway, so she kind <laughs> of, li- she kind of likes. Racetrack. He's at the pub. <laughs> oh, little does she know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I was actually reading some kids' books to her during lockdown, and we did that quite a bit. We still do it now. Mm. But uh, when I was reading the books to her, anytime I tried to actually read the words on the page, she just wanted to flick the page. She was not interested in any way. But uh, when I would just sit there and uh, talk about the pictures in the book, we could actually sit there for you know four five six minutes which is a long time in a three-year-old's world definitely and we could talk through all of the the elements whether it was a farmyard or a you know a pepper pig book or you know whatever it was we could sit there for ages and and talk about the little elements so i thought cool maybe there's something that i could do for a subject that i know quite well where we could have you know stories within stories and that's kind of the idea that i had uh, and you'll see in the any of the little heroes books that um, you know the words are the words, and there's not many words there, which is an excellent book for uh, excellent book for for my types. But um, you could sit there for as a race fan, you could sit there for ages and look at the the little elements and um, and talk about it with your kids or your grandkids or or whatever. So, um, you know, whether it's the Jim Richards book and there's, there's four different cars on there, you know, there's his, uh, championship winning BMW and, uh, you know, his old, um, Sid Chrome Mustang and Nissan GTR, a Carrera cup car, something I know would be close to your hearts. You could sit there for a, a long time. And if you've got the children interested in it, you could talk to them for quite some time about it. And they'll think, geez, dad, you or mum you know a lot about these cars. Mm. You're a genius. Is there a, is there a deliberate opportunity in the reading for that to happen? Or is it just left up to the imagination of the parent to throw it in? Uh, yes. I, so the, uh, the, I guess the words on that page and the picture sort of have a, have a, have some, some sort of a correlation, but uh, yeah, because, you know, there might only be uh, 10, minimum or or you know 25 or 30 words on each page there's so much more to see and talk about than there is actually to read on that page so um yeah i I think people can uh, the 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 hope that i have is that people get lost in the pictures rather than get too Mm. caught up on on uh on on my words and great you had obviously hundreds of drivers that you could have chosen what gave you the impetus to pick these five I picked the ones that I didn't need to do much research on. <laughs> the ones you knew. Sensible. The only one that I really had to do, I did zero research on on the Jim Richards, John, uh, Jim Richards, Peter Broker, and Dick Johnson. I didn't have to do anything. The only thing I'd, um, I just, uh, the only thing I wasn't really sure on was where Jim had crashed this, where, where he first hit the wall mm. in the 92 1000. So the first time we see it on TV, the thing's coming across the top of the mountain and you can't even see it because it's raining so hard and it's just coming across a skyline. And the first time the commentators are sort of chanting at it is when it's actually going through the S's. But upon my research, he actually hit the wall, 
coming out of the cutting into the right-hander heading up to the tree. Yep. So the, the picture in the book is is of the car sort of uh, just cresting into that right-hander. He has, he's not cr- crashing, um, but, but that's kind of where I've illustrated um, the, the bit that leads up to yep. Jim, yeah. Jim saying what he said. So that's uh, that was one piece of research. There's a little bit in the Johnny B book, the John Bow book, where I kind of wanted to know what he wanted. There was just a, a, a at the very start. Um, uh, I think I'd written something like Johnny B. Originally, I'd written Johnny B. Um, all he wanted to do was fly planes or something, but he didn't want to fly planes. He's when I spoke to him, he said that his his real aspirations were to to be an AFL footy player or to be a professional cyclist. So, um, yeah, so I weaved that in not only into the words, but also into the, uh, into the photos as well. Of course, Johnny B did, didn't go on to um, get uh, a couple of big sleeves or, um, or kick footies around or wear lycra. He went on to be a uh, pretty cool race driver. And still is to this day. Uh, how did the, the, the talent that you've focused on in these five, how did they react when you rocked up and oh, Dick Johnson, Grant Rowley here, mate, um, I'm writing a kid's book about you. What, what was the reaction and, and how engaged were they throughout the, the process? How, how did you keep them engaged throughout the process? Yeah. Um, look, all of them really loved it. They, uh, they, they really liked the idea, but you know, I guess you hear lots of ideas through through your days and uh you know in some ways i kind of felt that they probably thought that you know it might have never it might have never happened but um all of them were really interested all of them were willing to do basically anything that i needed for it to happen probably the coolest moment uh just in regards to what you've said there was um I'd spoken to Dick about uh, about writing the book. It's mm. uh, and I've said many times before that I grew up as a uh, as a huge Dick Johnson fan. He was um, really the reason the the my first love in the sport. Really, the first guy that I that I truly followed with um, with any passion and and vigor. And uh, yeah, so I'd spoken to Dick about it. It was uh, it was no problem. I I caught up with him at the Supercars round at Sandown earlier this year and I showed him the the first draft and it was just on my phone and I was I was nervous showing it to him and I'm sitting there just with my phone and I was shaking and Dick poor Dick um has grabbed the other end of my phone to hold it to stop it from shaking (laughs) as I was as I was showing him um and yeah, so I eventually, after we were sort of scrolling through and he read the whole thing, I looked up and he had the biggest smile on his face. And I thought, you know what? Oh, okay. I don't need to make a single dollar out of this thing. That is good enough for me. Yeah, that's fantastic. What yeah. a great story. That is and, a great story. We, we've talked about it on this show before that we, we still find it, well, I do anyway, amazing that you can pick up the phone and ring someone like Dick Johnson because we work with these people. We deal with them from our roles in the media. Um, but yeah, I can only imagine what that must've been like, mate. That's very, very cool. Uh, what about the, the Brock side of things? Cause obviously did, did you have to deal with the estate there or were there some, yep. some tricky bits around that? No, not at all. Not at all. I originally spoke to Bev who put me on to Robert and that was a super simple conversation. They were, mm. they were really uh, enthusiastic about it. Uh, they've they've helped share it on on um, on PB's official Facebook page. They've been all about it. Um, we're doing a launch this week at uh, out here in the east of Melbourne, and unfortunately they can't come. And uh, Bev has sent me like three or four emails apologising uh, in each each of them. So yeah, all of the family have were were really supportive. Uh, and uh, look, out of all of them, the the the, the Brock book is probably my favorite one. Mm. Um, you know, maybe because, you know, he's no longer with us. Um, but uh, yeah, I think one of the really cool things or one of the ideas that I had, you know, when you buy a kid's book or any book, they're all signed at the very front or like there's a dedication yeah. from the author at the, at the front and, you know, they, they dedicate it to their kids or a, or a family friend or their mum, dad or whoever. And I thought, geez, I can't write five of these books and just, um, just start. I, I would have, you guys would have got to mention it uh, by the end of it. Uh, <laughs> thanking you guys for, for stuff. And so, rightly so. Yeah. so what I, um, so what I did was I got each of the subjects to, um, to, 
dedicate it to to you know their grandchildren or children or or their or their whoever's so uh everyone did that um obviously uh peter could not uh, write it himself for me so the family actually wrote it on peter's behalf um and yeah when you when you get the book it's uh it's a it's a really touching it's short but it's 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 touching and um gets you right in the feels i don't want to know the emotion that happened to you as you received the boxes of books uh and all of a sudden you're opening him up and you're actually seeing these real things this right in terrible, front of you this is it's a, a terrible story cool moment. this is it's a terrible story because i they there was yeah lots of uh anticipation and you know trying to drive it as hard as i could through socials yeah. um actually i'm not really much i'm not really one for a great deal of self-promotion so i probably didn't do as much as i could have but um you know i was running photos a few weeks out while they were coming off the press and they were uh they were getting boxed up and all of these things uh and shane Suter, who uh is the father of zach Suter, both races uh zach races in tcr they've they own a printing business uh adams print down in geelong they printed them up for me uh, and Shane came out and delivered the boxes and they sat in my office for about three or four hours and I didn't even open them. Um, it was just the, uh, a cause of, the, it was just what was going on in that, in, on that day. Um, but I really had to um, sort of stop myself right at the end of the day to go, oh, hang on, I better open up one of these things and actually see if they're okay. And yeah, they're okay. So uh, I, I was happy, but um, I kind of tore myself up a little bit by um, yeah. not uh, embracing that uh, very first moment that I that I got the books. Of course, I've published uh, all those annuals and all those things mm. Uh, mm. in the past. So uh, maybe getting the uh, brand new books wasn't um, uh, you know a a thing that uh, I was. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I did, it just didn't work out for me on that day. But uh, yeah. now I've had a good look through, and it's all good. Uh, what does series two bring? Have you got a, cause these will unquestionably be a sales success. I have no <laughs> doubt about that. We'll uh, do you, no, they will be. I'm sure they will be, especially Thanks, now you've been on this podcast. I'll make yeah, sure. thousands off the back of this um, internationally, I think as well. And uh, we'll get onto how you can buy them in a second, but um, do, you, do you have a little list of names in the back of your mind, perhaps yeah. for, a, for a volume two? Yeah. So I guess I have numbered them as, collect uh, as as uh you know as not not necessarily part as a, a set or a volume they're uh, they're listed as number one to five at the moment or oh five as it is and yeah i'd love to do six and seven and eight i think um my next aim if these ones can wash their hands everyone touch wood right now but um uh yeah i've got a, a couple of names i've got lists i've got a list of at least 50 yeah. people just in australian motorsport that i could do yeah um you know, I'd love to do a, uh, a motorcycle one. You know, we've got such great talent and heroes like Mick Doohan and, uh, and Casey Stoner, uh, Wayne Gardner. Uh, and of course, you know, now with Remy coming through, the, the, that's a, even a nice little extra addition to, the, to a, a Wollongong whiz. Um, well, wasn't I've his actually other nickname or- Captain Chaos? That's a great name for a kid's book. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've actually already written the Larry Perkins book. Excellent. So um, yeah. that was uh, that was the one that was I, I wrote six and uh, and five of them, five of them made through. So uh, the the LP ones already already written. So open to suggestions for what I could call it. Like, do we call it? Um, I think Larrick and Larry is probably where it needs to go. Yeah, I actually did resist the urge to call any of the books after any of the Mike Raymond nicknames. Yeah. Um, okay. So, you know, there was uh, Peter Perfect. It could have yeah. been, I called it King yeah. Pete in the end. It could have been Tricky Dicky. Yes. I actually didn't even want to call it uh, Dicky J is what I ended up with. It was actually Richie J. Uh, yeah. And Ryan Story, I spoke to Ryan Story about uh, December last year. Uh, and he said, no, you have to call it Dicky. Are you mm. sure I could put Dicky on the cover of a kid's book? Yeah. <laughs> but he was he was into it and if the doctor says what the yes, doctor says goes. <laughs> that's that's what happens uh so yeah so i've got um i've got lp um i actually spoke to garth tander yep and i said garth i'd love to do one on yourself and he said no but well that's a bit rude <laughs> but he said do it on leanne instead oh that's so, good yeah so look both of them have been you know great uh stalwarts and great 
contributors to Australian motorsport. So, you know, both of them have great stories and, uh, you know, we'll hopefully eventually get to do both. But yeah, I maybe love, Leanne. I love that you included Molly in the first round. Mm. I thought that was terrific. Because she's, she's such, such a, a cool chick. She's, yeah, 100%. She's the best. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Can, can you not do a Lee T and GT? Yeah, I could I could combine them, but uh, I've yeah maybe this is my um, my commercial brain now talking where I thought, well, why make one? Why could have both? Yeah, so, exactly. True. <laughs> good point. Very uh, good point. Tell us where people can buy these fine products, and uh, we have a, an audience who listens to us through Radio Show Limited, our friends at Radio Le Mans, uh, and will you ship internationally if someone in the UK, for example, or the USA? wants to purchase one yes of course of course they'll get uh, they could definitely get shipped uh anywhere in the world as long as you've got an address they'll be able to get the books That's so you can uh, order them at networkr.com.au and our very good friends at the v8 sleuth will chuck them in uh, something that will ensure that it gets to them uh from our bases down here in melbourne so um yep they're uh, they're good to go now they were on pre-order for yeah, about six weeks and uh, just got all the boxes delivered. So we're good to go. Yeah, networkr.com.au and you'll be able to find your way through and uh, check them out. Mate, congratulations. A, a great thing that has been done here. It's going to be uh, fantastic for grandparents and parents who like to have a chat to their young kids about some of their heroes of the past. And uh, you brought that all to life, mate. Well done. Congratulations to you. Thanks, boys. Love the pod. Thank you very much for having me on. Hey, uh, park, parked up. How's that going? We need we need yourself and Dalberto on. We need a big sort of motorsport crossover podcasting <laughs> event, I think. I like it. Yeah, let's do it. I think uh, I think we could definitely do it. I think uh, in our sort of tradition, we should record this one in a pub somewhere, probably. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, we have talked about doing some sort of crossover crossover thing, and um, we are absolutely all for it. As long as we come out uh, on um, on top at the end, then I think that uh, all should be fair, right? Sure. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm happy for it to be called parked up on the grid. I think that's well, it works, doesn't it? <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. Good on you, mate. Well, well done, done, mate. Thanks, lads. Grant Rowley joining us here on the grid. All right, quasi time to be joined by our mate, uh, Mark Walker, also from the race talk.com. Hello, Mark. Shebexter, Krause, yeah. <laughs> i got to say, before we launch into the shit fight that is this week, I apologise for that. Beep that out, Tony, afterwards. No, please. no, I won't. That's, uh, um, that's an exact description of what it is. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, we've all been mates with Grant Rowley for a long time, and those Little Heroes books are a brilliant idea. Yeah. I think I'm especially jealous that I didn't think of it myself during lockdown last year. All credit to him. Really looking forward to getting hold of them. I think it's a great little initiative. And um, do jump on his website or the Sleuth site to look at those and uh, grab yourself a copy. I think they're fantastic for our sport. So uh, well done to Rowley. And um, his podcast he does with Tony D'Alberto called Parked Up is a good listen. And uh, Garth Tander, I think, the guest this week so clearly following us because we had garth on about three months ago um but looking forward to the major crossover event that will now happen which will be parked up on the grid uh which we're looking forward to so that's going to be good anyway very much. that needed to be said hello very mark yeah so uh, what are we doing lads are we going to go racing sometime <laughs> soon or we're we just going to postpone it or <sighs> okay, are we are we having a rant tonight can we have a rant permission to rant yeah permission sure. granted before you do that let me just tell the people who may have uh, caught this for the first time that uh, over here in Australia, especially for our friends over on the radio show Limited's RS1, uh, massive lockdown has happened right across Australia with uh, New South Wales effectively in, uh, well, definitely Sydney and other areas close to in a lockdown. Queensland have locked out, uh, locked down southeast Queensland, which reaches, I don't know how they got oh. up to Townsville, but obviously they must have had a case yeah. up there. Darwin's locked down, Perth's locked down. Uh, the only two states that aren't locked down at the moment are South Australia and Victoria. And Tasmania, remember that's and a Tassie state. And Tassie too, correct. Oh, yeah, I forgot about them. They're people too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as we record this, it's Tuesday night on the 29th and we're 10 days out from what would be the NCI Townsville 500. Uh, so obviously 
this puts uh, a very, very big asterisk on that event going forward in any sort of scale. Um, certainly support categories have to be incredibly unlikely um, given the part-time nature of those programs and the fact that now all of New South Wales is locked out from everywhere in the country and there's a big group of competitors there. Uh, and while other states like Melbourne or Victoria and South Australia can access Queensland, they can't get back or they have to isolate. And that's often unfeasible for several people or for a lot of people. So yeah, it, it's a pretty serious issue. Obviously the, the broader health concern is a worry, um, but you know, we've, we've been through this for a while now. So we're all thinking of businesses and the sport and how it moves forward and continues to function through these little periods. So it's obviously from a, from an industry point of view, it's a fairly major thing. And Townsville is one of the bigger events of the year. Tie profile, it's due to be on seven and um, Fox sports. So based on the ratings we've seen from Bathurst at the start of the year and Darwin a week ago, the ratings are very, very good and therefore very, very important for our sport as well. So it's a huge uh, opportunity for our sport to get plenty of eyeballs. So there's so many reasons why it's important this round happens, but whether it can due to the current dramas um, and the fact that the vaccine rollout in this country is slower than a 1997 MasterCard Lola Formula One car um, hasn't certainly helped the cause at all. Insert Mark Walker rant here. Oh, <laughs> it's just frustrating and it's all of the above, isn't it? You know, it's the the vaccines it's the it's the quarantining methods that we've got i mean and there's it's complicated there's right and wrong and there's reasons behind everything i mean people are going overseas to be with loved ones as they die which mm. you wouldn't not allow that you've got to let that happen and you've got to let those people back into the country don't you really you mm. do yeah but even people that are getting into the country aren't allowed to do it that's the that's the other oh, thing and too. exactly right people it's... stuck in quarantine and you know they've got a dying father half an it, hour down the road from exactly. where they're staying in a hotel and they can't go and see him. It's all, it's all a bit messed up and wrong, isn't it? And obviously the vaccine's not great and all of the above. Uh, Townsville, obviously a major event with the Queensland government involved there. It's the biggest thing that happens in Northern Queensland, except for probably Origin this year. So they'll have a fairly good direct line with the, the powers that be there to be able to talk through the situation. What's going to happen? We've got a fair idea what happens, what the timeline is of opening things back up after a lockdown. We've seen it here in Melbourne. We had a lockdown. It seems like it was last week and, you know, we're it back was. playing. <laughs> exactly. We're back, back playing footy games and stuff now. So uh, that have a reasonable idea what will be allowed. You know, the fact that they're jumping on it quickly means that it hopefully won't be a a long extended lockdown for Townsville and we can go racing as soon as possible, but make a call soon. Obviously the problem with this event is that it runs past a school. So the event has always tended to fall in school holidays so that it doesn't disrupt the, the, the schooling there, mm. which is a major problem. So they've got to think about that because next weekend is the last weekend of the school holidays. So can they run a raceman, give the kiddies a, a day of school on the Friday if they do push it back a week and uh, let everyone come tracks on, which they often do with those sorts of things. You often see a whole heap of school kids there. So, you know, I know if I went to school at that school, I'd never get anything done. I'd be always looking out the window and drawing race cars and stuff. Well, I suppose you bring up a good point there. And Richard, you may know the answer to this. Is pushing back a week an option? Uh, I would imagine it would be, but it would be down to those reasons and others. Um, TV, Channel 7, well, what's their schedule? Yeah. Correct. Um, you know, this round's been earmarked for a seven round since the contract was signed. Um, so there would be hoops to jump through there with what commitment Seven's got with the AFL in particular uh, on a following weekend. Um, and you've got to remember their slate is now only going to get bigger and bigger because they're coming into Olympics correct. season, which somehow or another is still happening. So um, that's going to dominate the sporting landscape through August, which is important and seven pay an enormous amount of money for the Olympics rights because they rate their butt off, um, which is fine. But it, so, which is why, like I said, at the start, it's important that, that our sport grabs these opportunities to be on free to air TV um, and the numbers that it brings as often as it can. So that that's a consideration. I think the school thing is probably more important. And I, I don't know the 
Queensland school holiday dates off the top of my head. But yeah, ne- next uh, weekend is the last weekend of the holidays. Okay, well there you go. So this this event for those that haven't seen Townsville, the start finish straight is parallel to the state high school, and um, you obviously can't be running race cars around there on a Friday, which is a school day. There's there's a safety issue. The fact that they use the school grounds as the major car park for the venue. Uh, in street circuit mode that certainly wouldn't work so what does it go back to a two-day event and then then there's the side effects and and the reason why we mentioned the support categories is because while it's fine for a supercar team and the top half of the super two slash three field to shift dates around move around a good chunk of the support program are all weekend warriors and do it for fun or semi-professionally, they're very, very difficult to go, oh, we've just got to change a week. So most of them have got full-time jobs. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Correct. So there are professional race teams like in Crow Cup, there's Sonic Motor Racing, McElroy Racing. They're probably okay. But the weekend warriors that do it out of their own pocket, you'll you really hurt them. But then it gets worse the further down the ladder of the sport you go. Um, Toyota 86, I, I feel like is in real strife because most of their field are Sydney based. So I, I'm not sure they can get off the ground. They haven't even well, run around yet this year. Yeah. So Sydney's um, in lockdown, the worst of the lot. They're in lockdown till next Friday. And, and plus. But their borders aren't going to open for another two weeks. Are they? No, well, exactly. The states won't open yeah. to them for another Correct. two weeks. So, so anything that's Sydney, not out of Sydney, Sydney now Sydney. won't be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you get uh, Sydney in this. And the thing is, too. Motorsport doesn't want to be, supercars doesn't want to be the thing that is a super spreader that'll, you know, pick it up on the way through or pick it up in Townsville and bring it back to Melbourne or Gold Coast or wherever they're going. You don't want to be that sport that buggers it up for everyone. No, because that's, every that's sport's a challenge. done so well yep. through this, like the NRL, AFL, especially with the hubs, um, the way they managed continuing on, but supercars as well. What they did last year was extraordinary. And, and it's it's a bigger challenge, I, I reckon, and, and probably bias from a supercar and motorsport perspective because there's so many more moving pieces um, rather than a group of 25 players in a football team and some admin staff. There's so many more things that have got to go on to put on a race meeting. Um, and the challenge too, sorry, guys, is that the, the Townsville deal, it's not a stadium-seated, ticketed thing where you've got a lot of seating like no. we've seen at Bathurst where they had to put up those temporary seats all around the, the racetrack. So you've got this very loose leaf deal there where there's not many grandstands. So that, that is a complicating factor for them as well. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago and whether supercars made the right decision or not. And I can understand the decision they made, but about returning Victorian teams home after Darwin and whether they should have gone straight to Townsville at the time. I understand the fact that people were going to be away from their families for an extra two or three weeks. And after what happened last year, they didn't want that. But gee whiz, I reckon if they had their time again, they might've tried well, to push that harder, wouldn't they? No, because the, no? the problem was that Townsville's been locked down fresher than it has been in, in Melbourne. Yeah. So like the problem is now that those Victorian teams are going to have to quarantine for two weeks after Townsville. Mm. That's the, the fight that they've got there. So if they went straight from Darwin to Townsville, they would have been on the road for six weeks. So. Yeah, and, and correct. And the, the problem with that is then the reschedule Winton round for July 31, August 1. You get back from Townsville on the 12th, you're in quarantine until the 25th. So, oh, 26th, sorry, I think if my maths is right. Yeah. So you've got five days to prep everything and turn everything around to go to Winton. And that just won't happen. That's, that's not going to be a thing, especially if you trolley a car along the fence at Townsville. And that happens because she's a car breaker, that joint. So the turnaround to Winton then is affected. And then after that, two weeks later is Sydney Motorsport Park. Two weeks later is Wanneroo. Three weeks later is Bathurst. So yeah, it makes it really, really difficult. Here we go. You just have a whole sport um, park for May where they have to just park the trucks up somewhere. No one's allowed to touch them for two weeks. Well, make it fair for, make it unfair for everyone. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, exactly. For sure. Or you you stay up there for five days and prep everything, park it up. And then you come out of quarantine a few days before Sydney night race. I I don't know, but no, I, 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 uh, before Winton, I should say, I I back the decision to send them home. Um, And, and I think that spoke to, 
the confidence that a lot of people had in where we were at as a country managing COVID. Um, in that, I don't know, quick, quick lockdown um, and everything will reopen and away we go. And that's what we've seen. You know, the Melbourne one went certainly went a bit longer, but that's what we've seen in Brisbane in the past with three-day lockdown, in Adelaide with a two-and-a-half-day lockdown, in Perth with their three-day lockdown earlier this year, um, the Northern Beaches one over the summer. You know, short, sharp lockdowns move on. But for whatever reason, whether it's this Delta variant or whatever it might be, and, and certainly Sydney's dropped the ball, I think we all agree on the way they've managed this, um, it's much bigger than I think anyone thought it would be. And the fact that it's spread to Perth and Darwin – and everywhere else at exactly the same time. Um, yeah, that, that's the key issue here. So I, I don't have a problem with them sending people home. Um, you know, we, we asked a lot of Victoria's race teams last year. And um, while it was great and it kept the sport going, I, I don't know if you can ask of that again. I, I think it's probably better to, to put a line through some events and just regroup later in the year. And sorry, Specs, the, it goes back to one of my rants from before is that we've got to learn from our mistakes. Like Melbourne made mistakes last year and the place was locked down for 110 days or whatever it was. Mm. And we're still making mistakes. We're still making mistakes. Surely old mate should have been wearing a face mask driving the limousine or the guys from the airport. Yeah. Well, and the, the reason Townsville is in lockdown is because a nurse from a hospital in Brisbane, um, uh, from Sydney, I should say, that works near a COVID ward, went up and back to go on holiday. Great, good on them, but wasn't vaccinated. So how, how are people working in emergency response and COVID situations that don't have a vaccine yet? That, that's, yeah. that's what's caused all this to unload. Now, we're, we're not going to take a massively political stance on whether you should get vaccinated or not. I've just had my, as we record this, had my second jab earlier today. Hey, you're all right? You're feeling good? Well, I've got to tell you, my 5G hasn't got any better. <laughs> Um, but the TV reception's pretty sharp. Yeah, it is. Um, and my second head hasn't grown yet. So I reckon it's sort of 50-50 balanced at the moment. So we'll give it a couple of days and see how we go. But, um, you know, whether you agree with the vaccines or not, it, it's the only way that our current government is going to open the country up. And what we're seeing overseas is proof that it works because the UK's had a big run of cases and right now, and it may happen, um, the, the deaths haven't increased with the case numbers because they've got a big chunk of their population vaccinated and the US is probably even more to the point mm. successful with 360 million people and while their death toll relative to everywhere else in the world is a bit scary um, to where it was it's it, it, it's not a, an enormous amount um, and they're getting on with life and they've they've jabbed 180 million people so um, that's that's why it's so powerful I'm six weeks from being fully vaccinated, but my pussy got fully vaccinated today, which was good. Well, the, the rating of this podcast just went up another notch there, didn't it? Yeah. Little cat. Come on, Mark, seriously. I didn't know cats had... How come your yeah, cat's getting cat jabbed before me? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm 39 years old and I, I'm not allowed. Well, they've got that much AstraZeneca, they're trying to get rid of it. So they give it to the cats. Jesus. <laughs> wow. Uh, once again, you've boldly gone where no one dares to go in uh, uh, podcasting land. What we try. So I suppose when it all comes down to it, the support categories are going to be the biggest issue, aren't they? One would yep. think. So, so my, my theory would be, and by the time you listen to this, it could be proved wrong, but uh, you'll see some supports drop off that program. Supercars may well still run the event. So what have we got? We've got Super 2s and Super 3s. Yeah, Carrera Cup, 286, Jumpy Trucks. Okay. Hmm. So that it may run as a supercar-only event or supercars and Super 2. Um, and if it does, fine. And, and the reason that would work is because of the government relationship supercars had and they could get exemptions from governments to get teams up and back, run them in a bubble, do whatever they need to do, and they may be able to make it yeah. work. And, you know, hopefully there won't be a red zone by the time the race happens, yeah, it'll be an correct. orange zone. So they, the Victorian teams just come back, get swabbed on the Monday morning and they're on their way. Yeah, exactly, exactly right. And and look, there, there may be deals to be done like it's been done for AFL, where teams can fly in, fly out, they stay in their bubble, away they go. It, 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 there are other examples where that can work and, and it's proved to work. Now, supercars is a bit more unwieldy because it's a bigger thing but look if most of the support categories pull out maybe you condense it down to two days there's no channel seven on this friday anyway 
um, condense it down to two days, run your practice Saturday morning and just mm. jam the program up a little bit more. Um, fly your people in Friday, out Sunday night, couple of charter flights. Virgin Australia is still the official airline of the sport. So throw some planes on. It might be a way to get it done. And it keeps the broadcasters happy. It yeah. keeps the major sponsor, NTI, happy. The sports sponsor, Repco, happy. And it keeps the teams going. And it's not ideal, but maybe that's the way around it. I don't know. We're, we're purely hypothesizing. So maybe that's what happens. The only other option is that it either gets postponed or it gets shut down. We take the mickey out of administrators, don't we, at times about decisions that they make and the like. But you really, you wouldn't want to be Sean well, Seymour and his team at this point in time, would you? No, the, and the we, headaches. Often, we often take the mickey out of them because they make stupid decisions. But, <laughs> but in this instance, no, you wouldn't want to run a racing category. Yeah. No way. No, goodness. It's hard enough working in the sport, not knowing whether you can get up there or not. So, yeah, it's... Um, no, I, I don't envy those people at all. They're really, really tough decisions to make and, and lots of balls hanging in the air that no one knows where they're going to land, um, which makes it challenging. The other thing I'll just float, um, the Australian Grand Prix. Now, we expect a decision on the AGP within two or three weeks, apparently is the word, about whether that event actually goes ahead uh, on the 20th, 21st of November with Formula One. If it doesn't happen, it frees a weekend up. So there is an opportunity to get an event back later in the year. So if something has to go, so let's say Townsville will get scratched off now. I'm not saying you rebuild Townsville later, but there's an opportunity to put an event back in if the GP doesn't happen. Um, so well, since, they, Townsville's they need a, since Townsville's built, you could push Townsville back two weeks to where Winton might be and then maybe could. move Minton to that sure. since they're going to come to Melbourne yeah. anyway. Again, it, but, it, it's a coulda, woulda, but shoulda, but the, the chances of the GP happening are still, I reckon, 50-50 at best. But are the V8s going to Albert Park? Because that got replaced by Sandown, so you wouldn't be... Really... Well, they're, all the... All the <laughs> yeah, but it, it would still be, because it's not on the calendar at the moment, so... Yeah. It was left open. It, it's Yeah, it's... It, the, the talk be an extra round. The yeah. talk is that they'll be there, but, yeah, if it doesn't happen, then... You know, you've got that weekend. It's two weeks after NZ. It's two weeks before the Gold Coast. So you can hey. you could make up an event if you needed it at the end of the year. And the reason we say that is because there are contractual obligations to meet in the calendar for TV deals and sponsorship deals. So you want a your number of events and get them all in if you can. So, no, yeah. well, let's have it in November in, in Townsville and have a cyclone go through. The Cyclone Grand Prix. Bring it on. 100%. Absolutely. Solve solve the world's problems but, right but there. Doesn't, doesn't, and hello to Chris Lewis-Williams and the team at Winton Motor Raceway. Um, doesn't Winton in November sound a whole lot better than Winton in August? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bit warmer. Just throwing it out there. Oh, uh, the, other, the other thing, too, is, in, uh, is that they have to consider with that AGP is that the cars are coming back from New Zealand, and if they need to get them back for that date of the AGP, I think they've got to fly the cars back. Oh, they do anyway. Shipping them yeah. on, a, on a boat, so there's a things that need to be done there as well. Yeah, yeah, because I think the initial plan was to ship them for on the on the on the big boat for cost saving purposes, but yeah. yeah, I think turn them around and fly them back if um if they need to. But again, these are all things that they're going to have to make up on the go. Hey, uh how much are we love an F1 at the moment? Uh yeah, it's good. Uh, the the Austrian Grand Prix or the Styrian Grand Prix I should say was a bit of a snooze. It didn't put me to sleep because yeah. who needs sleep these days? But um yeah, it wasn't good, but it's a good it, it's a good subplot. I'm enjoying it. I'm just enjoying it being a battleship X. It's, you just um, know the Mercedes is going to come back, though, don't they you? Are. Well, that's good. Verstappen's not going to get it all his own way. They're an awesome sporting team. So, and Lewis is still, I love him, I hate him. He's still the best driver in the world. So, yeah, 100%. Hey, well, my one little thing that I noticed there with that race is that they didn't seem to give the DRS zones much of a tune up since they were there last year. Yeah, it wasn't as powerful, but it wasn't as powerful. I don't know if it was a, the wind was blowing in different directions or whatever, but it didn't seem as powerful as it was last year because mm. the Austrian races last year were really good. Mm. Yeah. I've got was, an issue with the track that only allows passing under DRS effectively. And that's, yeah, what but that's, that's not, Formula it's, One. Not, it's not the track. Yeah, it's the cars, mate. That's the problem. Yeah. So, and that's what they are trying to fix with the new, new cars. You, you could make the same argument for a tire. Yeah. For yeah running yeah. an uber duber soft tire to promote better racing. So it's yeah. Yeah, but no, it's good. It just it it proves once again, and I'll go blue in the face. We keep saying this that to make good motor racing, you just need two competitive cars from two different teams, because 
Formula One's been a yawn for years because it's just been a Merck domination and whether Bottas could ever beat Hamilton. Yeah. Um, and the most compelling season before this one was the one where Rosberg stuck it up Lewis in 2016. And that was great because no one thought it would happen. There was all angsty and teen drama, emotional, you know, between it throughout the year. But now you've got two great racing teams going head to head in cars that are pretty similar in performance. And it's amazing how much more engaging it is speaking as a, kid who grew up watching Formula One cars from age zero. Um, yeah, it's tremendous. So, uh, like a lot. Saw the uh, Bathurst International uh, announcing today that the, the Trans Ams are going to have a Bathurst 116 laps. Fantastic. That's, uh, watching those cars go around Bathurst is going to be a lot of fun. Yep. The, the commentator's going to blow a foo-foo valve there, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know. I think that's a rusty and nulty gig that one. I think oh, actually. Yeah, yeah I've, I've got, I've got TCM and uh, S five thousand uh, on the mighty mountain. Yeah, it's going to be a cool event. Uh, TCR headline uh, alongside the five thousands there, and uh, that event has just picked up super cheap auto as the major sponsor. So, I was um, say, lucky Bathurst Council kept the signs just out the back. Yeah, correct. Yeah, exactly right. Just roll the old bridge banner back out. Um, but isn't it good? Like I love the fact that super cheap is still engaged. Yeah. They, they would have had every thought of just walking away and doing something different, you know, go and sponsor a football team for a couple of years, like everyone else does. But I love the fact they've gone out oh, and you know what, Let, let's sponsor everything else at Bathurst. That's great. And more money coming into our sport is, is the better thing. That's going to be a tasty little event. November 27, 28, be live on the screens of seven and um, uh, a decent event to get to, assuming we can go to events again by then. Um, yeah, cool program. It's going to be good. S5000 on the mountain, Shebexter. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> My Lord, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, big. Yeah. It's going to be big. All right. We'll wrap it up there, boys. Uh, so, so just just a timestamp here. This was recorded Tuesday night. So Tuesday night. World... Now, this, this show has a track record of recording brilliance on Tuesday night. We're not saying this has been brilliant. Uh, in fact, it's been quite, um, quite raw, this episode, and we apologize for that. Um, yeah, at, at six o'clock on a Tuesday evening by nine o'clock tomorrow morning, when you listen to this, it'll be completely different. Um, so this well, is actually, what happened well, yesterday. We can, we can actually give you this guarantee that if you're listening to this now, nothing else has happened. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause if something if else happens, we're re-recording this, the whole lot. <laughs> if you're not listening to this, we've re-recorded tomorrow morning. Yeah. We're starting again. <laughs> uh, All right, boys. Good chat. Hope people heard this. <laughs> does that mean you don't want to record tomorrow no not really <laughs> catch you soon guys, you guys and we'll catch you soon right here on the grid